all my life had been searching for fame and fortune and love and all these things that I thought would bring me happiness. And when you get a death sentence, like I tell people, there's nothing like a death sentence to wake you up. None of that mattered. None of it mattered. Welcome to Wellness Within. We would like to thank Koinonia Family Services, Consolidated Communications, and Merchants Bank of Commerce, who in part sponsor this podcast. Join us for relaxing meditations and enlivening conversations about topics that support wellness in the presence of cancer. To access our class schedule, to make a donation, or to sign up for our newsletter, please visit wellnesswithin.org. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Within podcast. This is Stevie Hannacle, and today we are honored to have Kevin Roth joining us. He is many things, including a thriving artist, musician, personal coach, and music teacher, and he's also a cancer survivor. He's joining us today to share a bit about his story and the power of music. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Well, to start our conversation, would you be willing to share a bit about you and also a bit about your cancer diagnosis and your journey? I'm a known as a internationally known uh, dulcimer player, which is a folk instrument. And I started a recording career in 1974 on Folkway Records and have about, I guess, almost 50 albums now. I had this professional career going and everything was, you know, bumbling along like it does. And then in 2016, just at the beginning of 2016, on a routine dermatology appointment, uh, they found a little tiny kind of freckle on my nose, which ended up turning into stage three melanoma in the end. They didn't think it was uh, melanoma. It was something called in situ. They're abnormal cells that are acting weird, but they don't go anywhere. They They haven't become cancer yet. Mm-hmm. So I had it removed and I thought I was all said and done with that and grateful it wasn't cancer, um, even though it left a, kind of a scar on my nose. And then a couple months later, I was shaving and I found a lump under my chin. And that's when I went, uh-oh. And then they found out that that a lymph node was in fact cancerous and they removed mm-hmm. it. Then what they did is they sent it out to be biopsied and they discovered that other lymph nodes in the area were not cancerous. And then I had to go through the MRIs and the CAT scans to see if the cancer had spread. And much to my surprise, it had not. But then they told me basically that uh, there was a percent chance that it would return within a year. And it didn't. Mm. And it's never come back. So that's sort of the overview. There's a lot of little inside details, which are real important, but that's basically what happened. So the melanoma never returned, but the lesson of it remained. <laughs> what did you learn from, you know, your diagnosis? You know, the first thing you learn is me. You know, you ask the question, how did this happen to me? You know, I'm mm-hmm. healthy and all this kind of stuff. And then the second thing I realized is that stress and inflammation played a great deal towards cancer. And I was overweight and I was very stressed out for the last two or three years prior to it. So I wasn't totally surprised, but I was kind of shocked. What was interesting is I tend to be always sort of a spiritual seeker. That's sort of my nature. Mm -hmm. 
And so the first thing I did is I, I got online. Uh, I sort of meditated and got online and looked for people who were familiar with melanoma. And it was a real horror story because, you know, the internet is helpful, but it's also something you don't want to really take too seriously because other people's problems are not yours. Right. So all of these horrible things I saw was not me, but it was them. And there's the Western philosophy with chemotherapy and all that stuff. The first thing I learned was that you have to trust your gut. So my gut told me that I was not going to die of this and that I should go online. I was living in Kansas City at the time. Mm -hmm. So I could go online and, and find an oncologist that suited me. So I kind of looked at all their photographs and their reviews. And there was one guy that stood out that I just absolutely knew would be my doctor. He wasn't the, the top melanoma guy, but... I just resonated with him and I trusted mm -hmm. my gut. The only problem is he wasn't taking new patients. So what happened was I ended up, because I had to have these tests done, I ended up with a, an oncologist who I did not like. I forget her name, but I had to get the test scheduled. And I also saw two or three other oncologists and they wanted to do all kinds of things like, eventually they'd wanted to do lymphectomy and they wanted to do... Uh, you know, all these kinds of drugs, but, you know, there's no cure presently as we're talking here in January of 22 of melanoma. I think that there will be, but right now there isn't. So it's kind of a death sentence if it really spreads, it yeah, can yeah. be. I went in and I did the test and I went to this oncologist and she put the, the, the I guess, the, uh, the reports on the screen to show me, you know, where the cancer was or was not. And uh, I guess they're called x-rays. <laughs> I don't even know what they're called anymore. <laughs> but within one breath, she said, well, the cancer hasn't spread anywhere. And I'd like you to see this other doctor. And I said, well, why? And she said, because you should do a, a lymphectomy. And I said, well, if there's no cancer, why would I do a lymphectomy? And she said, it's protocol. And I got really angry. And I told her, my name is not protocol. And unless you could find cancer... I wasn't having my body mutilated. So on the way out, I saw the business card of the doctor I wanted. He happened to work in the same office. And I told the receptionist I wanted an appointment with him. And she said, well, you can't get one. And I said, You're, I'm not leaving until I do. And she gave me a dirty look. And then she, she said, well, he has one appointment open tomorrow morning at like 7.30. And I, I'd have been there at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I went in to see him and he was, his name was Dr. Gower, Rakesh Gower. He was the only oncologist that agreed with me and said, no, you shouldn't do anything. Let's just wait. You're a singer. Let's not do lymphectomy. There's no cure for this thing. There is a 70% chance it's going to come back and then you'll probably be dead within a couple of years, but let's wait. So the thing I want to point out to your listeners mm -hmm. is that, you know, when you go for a routine blood test even like a COVID thing, and it takes two or three weeks or two or three days to come back, you're nervous. Well, this was 365 days I had to wait to see if this thing was going to return. That's hell. Because you don't know. You don't know if you're going to live or die. So here, I, uh, all my life, had been searching for fame and fortune and love and all these things that I thought would bring me happiness. And when you get a death sentence, like I tell people, there's nothing like a death sentence to wake you up. None of that mattered. None of it mattered. Okay. 
besides the fact that I'd almost gone bankrupt along the way. <laughs> but uh, I was in a really bad place. I was in a bad place, and I just kind of surrendered to, uh, you know, to make it easy, I'll just say surrendered to God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did my, my, my screaming at him and my yelling at him, how dare you and take me now and all the stuff that we go through. I had to ask myself three questions. You know, I'm, I'm a personal coach. I've turned into a personal coach because of this, this uh, incident. And I teach my clients these three questions. Number one, what really matters to you in life? So if, you have, if you're making $300,000 in a job that you hate and it's stressing you out, but you got the big mortgage and the big card and the big this and the big that, you got to get rid of that. It's killing you. It's killing you, okay? So you got to know what matters. And it's usually when it comes down to it, not, not always money and not always position or title. The second thing is once you decide what really matters, and for me, there are only two things, being with my dog, Bosco, and also making music and art. I didn't even care if I went on tour or made another album. This was who I am. I'm an artist. The second thing I asked myself is why? And that's an important question because you could say, oh, it's really important to see my grandchild uh, get married. Why? Well, the reason is I really, really love my grandchild. And it's amazing what the mind can do. It, it can, you know, often you, you live to see that. So you need to know what matters, you need to know why, and then you need to know what you're going to do about it. And my decision was, if I was going to die, which I didn't think I was, and I didn't, I wasn't doing it in Kansas, no offense to Kansas people, I was going back to California. Now, I was almost broke, okay, I was almost broke. And I thought, how are you going to do California? You can barely do Kansas. And this is really important. What I did is I re-envisioned my story. We all have a story. The first thing I said is, I am not a cancer victim. I don't believe it. I may have had cancer or I may have cancer, but in this moment, right now, it's my mind that's saying, cancer is going to get you. You're alive. You're breathing. You got this abnormal cell thing going on in your life. Many people have many different things, okay? This is not who you are, Kevin. You're not cancer. You're not melanoma. But it's real easy to think you are because the fear takes over. So what is fear? And I tell my clients, fear is false evidence appearing real. That's what it stands for. I had an oncologist I absolutely admired. Why? He took the time with me. I wasn't shoved into a corporate cancer kind of doctor thing for three or four minutes and out the door. He took his time. He explained things to me. He told me uh, if it really went south, he would be there for me and we would treat things symptomatically. And I knew spiritually, and I believe this spiritually, that we don't die. We're energy and, and we come and we go. So along with all of this, I had taken a very big spiritual nose dive and had uh, looked at science about what we really are. Are we energy or are we these human beings? Or, And I looked at spirituality. What does spirituality say? And that's where I started to become a life coach with my music. And I started to teach people, look, there's spirituality that says we don't die. Well, for a lot of people, that's woo-woo. But then I bring in the science and I say, okay, this is what science says. Quantum physics says that da 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 So it lifts a little bit of the anxiety of what's going to happen to me, and it changes. 
but you feel a sense of control. Because with cancer, you don't feel control. You feel out of control. The reality is that you, you do have control. I changed my diet. I changed my mindset. I got rid of negative people. I uh, stopped answering the phone to bill collectors. You know, I, I paid what I could and I eventually paid them off. I eventually went back to making money and, and went from surviving to thriving. And then I came to California and I lived a bohemian life. Uh, right before I came here, it was about a year. And I said to my oncologist, I'm going to San Diego. And he said, um, we should do a CAT scan. And I said, why? And he said, because a CAT scan will show you what's going on. And I said, well, if you see something, what can you do about it? He said, well, nothing. I said, then why do I want to know? And he said, so you could prepare your life. I said, what life? Because this past year, to me, has not been much of a life. I said, I'd rather go to California, know that the last scan said nothing. And if I wake up sick one morning, I'll go to an oncologist. Until then, I am done. I am done. I am finished with this stuff. And he's, he actually laughed. And he said, my family says the same thing to me. <laughs> and he said, all right, you'll know if you're sick. And the one thing he did say which penetrated me. And he was a very soft-spoken guy, not at all stern, but he really, this really went into my system. He said, when you are tired, rest. Mm. And I do, I do. And when I need to turn the world off, I shut the phone off, I shut the computer off and I rest. And I do things that support who I am. I, I try and eat healthy. Um, I'm not perfect at it. I make music and I coach people in how to change their lives so that they don't feel stuck, so they don't feel so stressed, and that they realize what all of this is. So cancer ended up being a real lesson mm -hmm. and extremely fortunate that I didn't die from it and here to help other people talk about it. I love that. Absolutely. I hear so much inspiration from listening to your story, Kevin. Just very, very moving. And what I also, some of the things I I hear you say too is you know how much you like learn to listen to your heart's desire through this and and overcome fear is that correct yes because you know everything is a story mm -hmm. your, your mind is a story so if you go to one oncologist and the oncologist says you have cancer you're going to freak out that's the story you're believing in mm -hmm. you go to another oncologist to say i don't know i don't think it's cancer it's something else suddenly you're not worried well what is it is it? Isn't it? You know, it's, it's the same thing. You could be in a bad mood and then the phone rings and it's someone you haven't heard from in a long time and you all of a sudden you're joyous. What happened to the big problem you're about to kill everyone in the world over, right? So everything is a story. Everything's the mind. Yes. And what you do with your mind and how you learn to control it. That's one of the things that I teach called mindful awareness. You learn to be aware that this situation does not feel good. This situation does feel good. Absolutely. That message really resonates with me too, Kevin, because when I was going through my own cancer treatment in 2018 for breast cancer, I realized how much my life had been driven by fear before that and not from love. And throughout my cancer journey, and I found wellness within and learning meditation, mindfulness, awareness, and, and through different classes, I learned how to quiet that fear driven narrative in my life. And I love that you developed 
this way to do this. And also through your music, which I want to talk more about now too, if we may. I know music's been a big part of your life, you know, before, during, and after cancer, obviously. So did your relationship to music really change and evolve after you were diagnosed? It did because what happened was my theory is that when we are born, we're born with a connection to God. It's an it's it's an innocence. It's an awareness. And I'm and I'm not a religious person. I don't care whether you believe in Jesus, Buddha, or whatever. We are born like we breathe. This substratum, whatever it is, is who we are. Okay. If you look at it scientifically, you, you come to the same conclusions. And then we develop a personality and an ego. This is mine. This is me. I want this. And then you get older and you start thinking, okay, I need money. I need a house. I need these things. And you go through life. And and the, the whole search for me was thinking that if I only got rich and famous, it would fix me. What I was really searching for was to get back to the longing. And people who have had near-death experiences, who are surgeons and doctors and psychiatrists and other people like myself and, and, and yourself, all tell you that what they discover is that life on earth is really kind of an illusion. It's sort of a dream. And that this, call it God or energy or whatever you want to call it, is all loving, all forgiving, and it's home. So what I realized is in playing the dulcimer all of these years, what I had been doing was self-musical meditation, and I didn't even know it. I have a dulcimer here, so it's a very simple folk instrument. So what I would do is I, besides playing like really, uh, you know, fancy recorded songs, the things I play every day are things like. And I teach people to play that because it's so easy. I, I even have taught elementary school kids to do it. So what I discovered all those years later is when I was talking to someone about my coaching business, they said, oh, it's Dulcie Meditation. And they named it. What happens when you play the dulcimer or when I teach people Dulcie Meditation is they've got them. It's like lullabying a kid. You, you play the music very, very simply. So you, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to read music. It's just kind of very softly played. It's just strumming like as if you don't know what you're doing. And then the subconscious guides you. And it tells you things like I was doing it this morning. And what came to me was you better plug your mic in for this interview. I had totally forgotten about my microphone. So there is an inner voice that we all have. And but our mind is a chatterbox. So when you quiet your mind and you play a little dulcy meditation, uh, it's like lullabying the mind and saying, OK, be quiet. And the thing about the dulcimer is it's not an expensive instrument and it's super, super easy to play. Yeah, so the music really changed for me in the sense that um, I realized that my calling was more as a, a life coach and not another recording. You know, I mean, I've got 49 albums. I'm, the only thing different about my career now is I'm writing a book called The Longing about all of this. Wonderful. I have a course on Teachable about finding what matters and why and all that kind of stuff. But my career as a performer and entertainer is not front and center any longer. So that's how the music shifted for me. Wow. 
I love that. And I love that also. It sounds like the dulcimer can be really picked up by anybody. That inspires me. You know, I picked up the ukulele a little bit here and there, but I I love to hear that really anybody can play this. You don't have to be necessarily musically inclined. No, no, you don't. No. And I, and I also developed sort of a, a breathing thing that I was taught by a psychotherapist many, many years ago. In fact, I have it on my website. It's just like a five minute stress buster. So if you go on the website and you look at the little video, I teach people how within like less than five minutes to really bring uh, your breathing down and, and your stress levels down. And you can find that on the website, kevinroth.org. Awesome. And so when it comes to, you know, your teaching of this Dulce meditation, what are some of the impacts you've seen with sharing it with others? How has it impacted others? It's an interesting question because someone said, why don't you become a life coach and teach what you did to get through the cancer? I had never thought about that. I never thought about it. And then I thought, well, what did I do? And then I I kind of sketched it out. And then I went and I advertised a little bit on Facebook, on the dulcimer groups. And I said, I'm doing this life coaching thing. And if you feel anger or you feel stuck or stressed or you don't know what is going on in your life and you want to get in touch, I can help. And a few people got in touch right away. And I was amazed that their lives changed almost overnight. I was amazed at it. I knew it worked for me. I didn't know if it would work for other people. Uh, I discovered that I have a way of looking at people either in person or on Zoom and sort of zooming into them and kind of really getting who they are and and what their needs are almost not psychically, but intuitively. And so my clients have been, most of them have been with me, you know, quite a long time because there's always something new to teach about this stuff. You know, living is a process. It's, 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 a, it's an unfolding thing. Do you have clients from all different walks of life or is it primarily people that have a cancer experience? I, I had one woman who came to me who has cancer and she's getting treatment, but she didn't want to feel like a cancer victim. And I've worked with her and she no longer does. I have a medical doctor who comes to me. I have clergy who came to me and I have, you know, regular people. So they're, they're professionals, Mm -hmm. they're housewives. They're, uh, I mean, some of my clients are, I mean, they've got PhDs up the wazoo and, you know, uh, but they've resonated with my message and they want to know how they can get through their own stuff, you know, whether it's a lack of faith or whether, you know, one of my young clients um, is a doctor and she got in touch with me right before open heart surgery. And so we worked on uh, meditation and, and uh, her dulcimer playing to help her through it. And she and I have become uh, quite close. So it's all kinds of people. That's amazing. So, yeah. So I would say that uh, I'm the kind of coach that if you're feeling stuck or stressed or you don't kind of know what to do and you've tried a couple self-help books and all these other things, but you need to talk to someone who gets you, that's the time to reach out. As we start to wrap up our conversation today, do you have a hope for what you want listeners to learn from or you know understand from listening to this conversation today? You need to say, you know what, I might have cancer or I do have cancer, but this is what and who I really am. And I want to stop living from, you know, just like, well, I'll get through the next treatment to the next treatment or the next treatment, 
or I don't want to do any treatments or whatever it is that you want to do. I need someone to talk to who gets who gets this on a more one-to-one intimate level. I'm the kind of guy, I guess, that is there for people who who are thinking like that. There are others as well. I'm not the only guy in town for that kind of stuff. But to not let things like COVID and the news and all of that stuff, you need to limit that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a believer in getting your shots and wearing masks, you know. But I have friends who just go off on the COVID thing or Trump or and I just say, I don't want to hear it. You know, that's negative stuff. You're projecting I want to live in a more peaceful place because that's what's healthy for me. Mm -hmm. So limit the negativity in your life. Limit the stress in your life. I had one client who said, you know what? I really don't need a four-bedroom house anymore. I don't need all these things. And she and her husband downsized to a condo, have a lot of money, don't have any stress anymore, aren't worried about things. Um, So uh, there's different ways of looking at at things. And I tell people, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And also, once you change things and you replace what doesn't work with what does work, like anger, frustration, stress with, nah, I'm not going to go there anymore. You recognize that it feels better and your body changes. There's a whole science called epigenetics, which people should look into. Most people don't know about it, but it's the mind-body connection and it's real. So you have the power to make certain decisions and to get through get through different things. And I hope that I can help people uh, do that, you know. So if they want to reach out, they can go to my website, I guess, kevinroth.org. Check it out, I guess. Also, I think you sell dulcimers as well, right? Do you- I do. I created a meditative dulcimer called The Wink. And uh, you can call me about that too. And I can teach you to play the dulcimer. I can get you dulcimer. I can teach you dulcimer meditation. If you don't want to play an instrument, but you resonate with what I'm talking about, I'm, I'm there to talk to. You know, you don't realize until you're in the cancer game how many people have cancer. And I think my gut tells me that in the future, that won't be the case. But right now, it sort of is. And the leading factors of that are not just genetics. It's stress and inflammation and things like that. So you need to really find out what matters to you, why it matters to you, and I'm there to help you with the game plan if, if you want to find one. I love that. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation today, Kevin, and for helping spread hope and healing to others. And then again, your kevinroth.org to learn more and get in contact with you. And then they can also hear all of your music on Spotify, right? Yeah, you can find my music. There's one album called Dulce Meditation. That's on, I think it's on Spotify and all the other platforms. And then for free, there's a stress buster video. If you want to talk to me, there's a free half hour consultation and I'll, I'll talk with you on Zoom if, if you want. I find that the, the clients that end up with me are the clients that are meant to be with me. And I work with a limited amount. I don't work with like a lot of people at one time because I, I really invest myself in, in, in their journey. Uh, but the right ones always show up and they teach me things as well as I teach them. That's beautiful. Well, thank you again. And thank you to our listeners for joining. You can visit our website at wellnesswithin.org to view our programs calendar, which also includes some music therapy workshops and taking a moment to rate and review and share our podcast with others helps us to reach more people who can benefit from our services and make sure to subscribe as we have even more guided meditations and conversations with experts coming your way. Take good care, everyone.